Today, our text is from Paul's letter to Colossae, and here is Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Today, as I said in, in our introductory remarks, today we are really going to just take some time and soak in the Jesusness of Jesus, in who he is, and maybe, maybe expound just a little bit more the depth of our understanding of, of who Jesus Christ is. This Jesus who holds all things together also holds you. Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? I think that's a great question for all of us. Just ponder for yourself, who would you define Jesus as being? Many people have, I think, missing or incorrect views of God in general. Maybe seeing God as angry or distant or judging or evil. When life is, is hard when you view God in this way. I've studied people who once thought like this and experienced some kind of transformation in their view of God to something that was much more, much more beneficial, much, much more nicer, uh, and, I, and I'll get to that in just a bit. To be able to see Jesus as a source and power for change, having a plan that's unique to each and every one of us, who is loving, providing, instructing, listening, someone who's present, who accepts you, who is dependable, who is forgiving. Now, that list of characters really strike me as somebody that would be an ideal person to enter into a relationship with. And that's exactly what his desire is for you, to be in a one-on-one, -on -one, walking together relationship. But here's what, here's what Paul describes Jesus as being, and, and this is the, the word of God himself speaking through Paul, giving us this full picture of who Jesus is. He reminds the, the people of this little town of Colossae that Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is that second person. That message would really hit home with that Greco-Roman world in Colossae. Because they, they studied and, and believed and, and worshipped so many different gods, this pantheon of gods. And so to many people's ears in Colossae, Jesus would just be one more. Let's just toss him on with Zeus. And just one of many other people that we can worship. 
And that would have been an easy thing for them. But the, the people who were Christian in Colossae knew better. They knew different. That Jesus wasn't just one more thing to augment or add on to life. Jesus was the God. Excluding all others. Putting all others to shame. I think there's a lot that we can take from Colossae's culture and identify it in our own lives. Right? There are so many different gods vying for our attention. And many people perhaps are attracted to Jesus, but they're turned off by organized religion. And so they end up making their own image of God in their own heads. Like Jesus is a good man. He was revolutionary. He was wise, a sage beyond his years. But Paul, writing to this church, sets the record straight with the very word of God, lifting Jesus up as this eternal son of God and urges listeners to remain steadfast and secure in that faith, not to add anything else to it, but in Christ alone. So here are different factors and elements that Paul starts to wrap our minds around who Jesus is. Number one, Jesus is in the image of God and the firstborn of all creation. See, Jesus is the visible manifestation, the way that we can see and picture absolutely everything that it means to be God, true God in every way. This, just in and of itself, this aspect is, is so hard for me to wrap my head around. Because God, the God who, who made everything, now makes himself, through Jesus, makes himself visible, accessible, relatable. Makes it flesh and blood real. And then Paul says that all things were created through him and for him. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things, the entire universe, the things that we can see, the things that we can't even dream about seeing, all of it, the visible and the invisible, of course, we, we think instantly of, of angels in the spiritual realm, but what else don't we have eyes to see? That someday when he gives us our full resurrection bodies that we will see everything. There's so much more to creation than just what meets the eye. And then he talks about all of the, the ruling things like thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. And for me that makes my mind go to the fourth commandment. That all of this power and authority that God holds and wields, he chooses to pick people in our lives to rule and govern in his place for us. He passes that authority on through them. Even if you didn't vote for that person, his authority is still working through them. And God is so incredibly sovereign that he can even work through principalities and, 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 and leaders and governments that have no belief in him whatsoever. He is still sovereign and works through them for our good. All these things happened through him. All these things were made through him and all these things were made for him right so not only did the second person of the trinity jesus create all things but he created all things to serve his purpose for his glory that includes me i am not my own i have been bought at a price not with gold or silver but with his very precious body and blood he owns me and he owns you and you are his 
And we need to daily remember that we are called to serve God and build his kingdom and not our own. So he made all things and all things were made for him. And he's before all things. And this is, this is curious. And all things are held together in him. So he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He was before all things. He's the creator of all things. And now he holds all things in his hand. Kind of think of it this way. Jesus is like this omnipresent, always present, everywhere, all the time, super glue that holds everything together, that keeps the earth spinning on its axis, the things that, that keep gravity from making things fall instead of rise, the, the atoms inside our bodies held together, knit together by him. It's not that God just created everything and then sent it on its way and said, good luck, I'm going to see how this turns out. But he's daily walking with each and every one of us, holding everything together. Even when your life feels like everything is falling apart and exploding, he is there in the middle of it, holding it together. And he says, he's the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, preeminent in everything. You see, part of the problems that the church in Colossae was facing was, was lumping Jesus together with all the pantheon deities that were already associated with Roman culture. That Jesus was just one of many. And in that regard, we have our own pantheon, right? We don't, we don't have a, a temple of Zeus, but the human heart is an idol-making factory. By nature, we love to put things or people ahead of God. And I think we do it all the time. It's so easy to do, and it's sometimes so subtle. Starting with, uh, with me, myself, and I, and then maybe, maybe family quickly comes to a place of, of importance above God. Or relationships other than God come in number one. Sometimes if you wonder, I wish, I wish that like as we walk in today, like at that, at that exit door right there, you'd walk in and there'd be a scanner. And it'd be like, oh, you're a faithometer today. Tig, you're like a 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Good job. That was better than last week when you were a 4. Great work. Or, and then it comes a little printout for me to look at you and say, oh, these are the idols that you have in your life. But personally, I'm really grateful that we don't have that because then somebody might see my paper. <laughs> but I think there are indicators in our lives of what we prioritize. I think for me, if I were to look at my schedule, you'd see what was important to me. I think if you looked at my bank statements, you would see what's important to me. Where we spend our time and money indicates what's important. The fact that you have prioritized this time to gather with other believers in person to worship together, that's a prioritizing. It's a prioritizing of your life that says, this is what I want to start my week with. If you have devotions that are, that are logged into your schedule, that prioritizes things so that other pieces of your life can't crowd that out. That you make God a priority, you set him as number one in your life. Jesus is that number one longing to be in our lives. Now, this is speaking against people who were arguing that you had to have some other ultimate experience or, or knowledge or work that had to be done. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You just need Jesus. Jesus alone. If he is your number one, if you realize that he is the one who created everything and holds everything together, that he is the, the power and authority from on high who gives power and authority to everybody else. If he is your number one, 
and not just a cameo appearance in your life, right? Not just a, a piece that you augment or use to just get you over the hump, but he is your entire life with visible changes in who you are and how you are. The firstborn. And then Paul says this, it is the fullness of God in him. I don't get that. I really I have a hard time understanding how you can put the infinite in a finite shaped person. But in God, miraculously, undescribably, is every aspect and component of the character and nature of God. And he walks in the dust with us. And not just that, but it was, the, it was this fullness of God in Christ that Jesus was pleased to dwell, to abide, to stay. Not just a portion of God, but the fullness of it. And it was, he was pleased to dwell. I don't really get that either, because if I was Jesus in the second person of the Trinity, and I'm living with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven, that is as good as life gets, folks. But it pleased him to humble himself to become a man, to walk in the dust, to hunger, to thirst, to no betrayal, to no pain, to no death. It pleased him because he knew what the end result would be to walk with you, to claim you as his son and his daughter, to be with you for eternity. That's what pleased him. I would suffer anything, Jesus said, just to be with you forever. And he did this through this reconciling, to reconcile all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. Not just reconciling humanity, but all things, all creation. All creation groans, waiting for that final complete restoration of all things, waiting for peace. That Old Testament type peace, that shalom, that soul, body, mind, peace. Even if the world around you is chaotic, to have peace in the midst of all of that. And to reconcile. Reconcile literally means exchange. You trade one thing for the other. When you reconcile a relationship, you trade anger and malice and envy and greed and pain. And you trade it for love and joy and fellowship and acceptance. This exchange is what God does for us on the cross. Jesus exchanges for us our sinfulness. He takes it out of us. He removes it from us. And in Instead, he puts in the middle of our chest all of his righteousness. The fullness of the righteousness of God is in you. Listen to that. That, that means you can't walk around hanging your head low because you're, you're so dirty and sinful. Because God has taken all of that out of you and put back into you all of his goodness, all of his holiness. And I love this. It says we are reconciled, presented holy, holy and blameless presented to the father jesus takes us and he sets us right smack dab in front of the father for judgment and the father looks at us and he sees not one of any of our mistakes not one of any of our faults not one of any of our failures because jesus has exchanged those for us and given us his life and so when the father looks at us he sees jesus we are holy blameless above reproach Do you know what that means when you stand in front of God and judgment in that moment he looks at it and you goes wow 
well done. I'm so pleased with you. I love you. Welcome home. And that's a confidence that we can have on Judgment Day when, when Jesus looks at us, sees it, when God looks at us and sees his son Jesus. Not us, but Jesus. That's the confidence we can have today that we are reconciled, presented holy, and blameless. Now, this Jesus, this may be bigger picture of who Jesus is, who is more than the man who walked this earth, suffered, died, rose again, ascended into heaven, promised to come back, is also the one who created everything, the one who holds everything together, the one who has all power and authority, the one who reconciles us to himself. This is Jesus who holds everything together, chooses to hold you too. Paul wraps up by saying, if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, stable and steadfast, stable. Make Jesus your firm foundation. You are rock stable. Jesus and Jesus alone that you meet together with other believers, that you hear God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to pour into you, that you receive his sacraments and consume the very nature of Jesus Christ, that you share this message with other people. Firm foundation, stable, and then steadfast. Steadfast is very similar to stable, but it has this ongoing, continuing concept that you are steadfast, you are resolute, you are firm, and you are not budging off the truth of the gospel to not be lured away to think that there's more than just the gospel alone to have no special experience no special knowledge no special relationship with god aside from through jesus christ and him alone and what does somebody look like who gets that that person has a heart that's awakened to the power of life in christ and this is what that means this means that somebody who's, whose heart has been opened up to this power understands that the last thing that we want is a nice life, a comfortable home, reaching financial security by the time that you're, oh, 40, that'd be great, that'd be ideal. And have everybody like you, that is not the Christian life. If that is why you are here, I'm sorry. Because that's not what it means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus means that you say something like this. I understand what Jesus did for me, that he gave up everything for me. I want to make a difference. I want to change people's lives. I want to change the world or maybe my little corner of it. I expect difficulty. I expect to give things up. I expect sacrifice, but I want to make a difference. Just find me a place, Jesus, on the front lines. What a scary prayer. Put me on the front lines, Jesus. Let me go in first. Front lines, the messy place. I want other people to know the same power of the resurrection that you have made known in my life, and I want to change people with that. To say, here I am, Lord, send me. Frontline work, baby, let's go. That's tough, it's inspiring, but it's tough. And I can honestly say that there are days where I feel like that. I'm just like, God, let's go. I am ready to go. Let's do it. And then there's other days where I'm like, it's a great idea. Someone else probably could do that. I'm kind of comfortable. I like a life of ease, financial security, build up my own kingdom just a little bit. 
But when your heart has been opened up to the power of life in Christ, you say, I'm willing, I'm willing to set all of that aside for the cross. I'm willing to set aside my comfort to bring comfort to the hurting. I'm willing to set aside my financial security to help and aid those who have less. Here I am, God. Send me. Send me. Heavenly Father, you are vast. Your Jesusness is beyond our comprehension. God, for your power, your authority, your rule in our life, continually enable us to submit to you, to relinquish our own kingdoms and embrace yours. God, we pray that you would continually reconcile us to the Father. 